Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring you know who. Hello! Yeah, that's my 10-year-old little girl, Person Noob, here to help us in myriad ways, including her own segment once again this show. We hope that you will in particular stay tuned for that. But the main gist of what we're going to do, well, as always, it's going to be giving you match mini previews of the 10 most exciting, intriguing matches from around the world. As we define that, and I promise you, while some of the matches are going to be from uh, big leagues and big places, they certainly all will not be. We are trying as noobs to learn the whole world of football all at once, for better or for worse, and in our own special way. You'll understand from some of the humor just what we mean by special. We thank you for joining us this particular week, whether it's club or uh International team matches, they are all going to be from dates Friday, the 24th of February, until we get into March on Thursday, the 2nd. Plus, we have another very special treat, a return guest. We're still waiting to get billed by him. Apparently, he's going to be sending quite a large one to us. Can't figure out why he'd be so willing, so patient to educate us in all the ways of Cypriot football. Tassos, once again, from the YouTube show and podcast, this is Mapa, which is the Cypriot Greek word for football, as I understand it, is going to be joining us at the end of the show to help us preview one of our bonus matches, as well as really previewing the league in general once again the whole week and giving me, and in in turn you then, of course, a whole bunch of just history and relate whether it relates to football or not, all sorts of things about Cyprus that we either didn't know about here or that we knew a little of, but not nearly as much as we thought we did. It's got to be my single favorite interview and pretty much thing we've ever done on the show is this particular guest appearance from his. And again, his show is This is Mapa, N-A-P-A. A, and we encourage you to find that out on YouTube or wherever else you might be able to find it. So, with no further ado, before we can get to that, we've got to get into some of the other match previews, and we will start with... Match number one! We start our week-long adventure on Friday in the Champions League of the CAF. That is Africa. They are in their group stage. The format is very simple, four groups of four. Within each group, the teams will all play a double round robin home and away. The top two teams from each group will advance to the bracketed knockout stage. The match that we've picked, I really do think it's going to be one of the most important ones, but I'm also a little biased, and hey, it's my show. I'm allowed to be. Um, Wydad Casablanca is the home team, one of my favorites in the world, uh, from Morocco, of course, and then they are playing host to Petro Atletico out of Angola. 
The series between these two in recent years has gone Wydad's way. They've accrued a 5-2-1 and one record, and we will start with Wydad, as is our tradition, as the home team. The reason this is one of my favorite clubs in the world, in a way, is, well, it doesn't have anything to do with the footy on the field. It is the only club that I have yet to find, at the very least in top flight, that is named specifically after a singer. Uh, there was an actress and singer named Um Kulthum that was very, uh, very popular way back in the uh, first half of the 20th century. And one of the people that was involved with the founding of this club, as I've read and understand it, uh, came late to the meeting or had just come from a move, uh, a movie rather that she was in. And they decided to name uh, the club after her in part. Her name is Latinized as Wedad, W-E-D-D-A-D, or Wydad. There are a number of different ways to go. Uh, the reason that can make some sense, uh, or that we can make more sense of it as Westerners, is it's just not her name, but Wydad also, it means love in the sense of sincere affection. Not necessarily romantic, but a little bit deeper than platonic, if I have the right of it. So a little bit of history on the naming there and why it's my favorite. They are known as the Red Castle, and they are the defending event champions on the continent. And that was their third title when they won it last year. This year, they were one of a handful of teams that did not have to play in the first of the two qualifying rounds because they were so highly seeded. They qualified by winning last year's, uh, not only their event, but they also finished number one in their domestic league. This is their second match. And they actually lost the first one at a team called JS Cabillier one Nil, And that is a team that uh, came out of pot three or basically is seated third within this group. In their league, I don't want to say they're struggling, but they're not running away with it either. In fact, they're just in third place, one point, uh, just one point behind group leaders ASFAR. The team in between those two, I think, has a match in hand on both of them. So we could be in for quite a race there. How are they doing within that league? Because I think that's the best way to see what their form is like. The offense is where they're struggling a little bit, at least by their own standards. Uh, they're just a little bit above average in that regard, and they're only getting a bit more than one goal per game on average. The defense is where they are shining. They only give up a goal every other match on average, roughly. Key players to look for. Tied for fourth place in league scoring with six is Imani El Hosani. He has spent his entire career with this club. And then tied for second best in assists with five is Mohamed Unajem, who is a homegrown winger for them. This is his second time here, and he played for one of the big three over in Egypt, Zamalek, in between. By the way, the Patola is the number one ranked league in Africa, largely because of YDA, but also because of a couple other teams. Team's current form, they're actually 0-1-2 in their last three, uh, but they're at least doing okay in league, but when they're starting to play some tougher teams here and in the recently completed FIFA Club World Cup, that's where those losses are coming from. And now Petro de Luanda or Petro Atletico out of Angola, Angola rather, last year in this event, they got to the semifinal and it is the best they have ever done. Uh, the group stage appearances that they made the two years prior were also previously their best. So this is not a long-standing international powerhouse, but very much a rising, or perhaps one might say risen power. They qualified as last year's domestic league champs, where it is called the Girabola. That is the seventh-ranked league in all of Africa. Good enough that there are two teams from this league that made the event. 
They are seated second best in this group, number seven overall in the event. They are 1-1-0 one, one oh so far. This will be their third match. So that's how they're standing in the group stage. And they're number one in the group on goal differential. They're about halfway through the league season and are in currently in first place domestically. They lead another very good team, uh, Primero de Augusto, by two points. And these are the same two that finished in first and second place last year. In league, they have the number one offense scoring almost two goals per match and the number one defense right on par with their host today, giving up about a goal every other match on average. Team's current form, they are in good form. They are red hot, unbeaten in seven across all competitions and have won two straight matches. Match number B. As we head into the weekend proper Saturday, we are sure to thank daughter co-host Person Noob for reminding us in practice that number two is bathroom talk. Number B is the much more couth and polite way to go. Listen to it in action as we talk about match number B from La Liga, the second ranked league in all of Europe. Your matchup is going to be a derby. Number B, Real Madrid taking on number four, Atletico Madrid. Spicy. Real Madrid historically have really owned this particular series. They've won over twice as many matches as they've lost. Earlier this season, and a little bit more telling because of that, uh, Real Madrid, they won on the road at Atletico earlier this season, one to two. Now, this isn't a highly critical game for Real, to be perfectly honest. They are several points behind the number one team and ahead of the number three team by quite a gap. However, the league gets exactly four berths into the Champions League, which is so important as far as reputation and uh, maybe even more importantly to some, for money. You want to get into that tournament, the league gets four bids, and Atletico Madrid only lead Real Betis by four. So they would really love to be able to snag at least a point out of such a tough match on the road for them. You can catch this particular one at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. ESPN Plus is the place or ESPN Deportes. Real Madrid, they have won 36 titles since their first one, 1931-32, and they are your defending league champs. They have won a mess of Champions League titles over the years, uh, 2021-22 being the most recent one. Yeah, the defending champions. And they had quite a comeback and then some on Liverpool in the current Champions League round of 16 and beat them two to five on the road. Ouch. Not great times for Liverpool as it looks right now, unless they make a major run, uh, that they're going to miss out on Champions League next year, maybe even international play entirely. And by the way, just so you know, internationally, they have also won five FIFA Club World Cup titles, all of those coming between 2014 and last year. In league play, they've got the number one offense going, getting a little bit better than two goals per match. They've got a top three defense to go with that as well, and the second best goal differential. They are who they are. Helping make them who they are is the best player in the league, statistically by quite a lot. And he's tied for second best overall in league scoring uh, with 11. That is Kareem Benzema, their French center forward veteran, 35 years old. He has been here since 2009, which is just astounding to me in this day and age. Has accrued well over 600 uh, appearances for this team and is uh, starting to flirt next year. Presuming he plays here again, he will easily hit 350 goals. The most 
most accurate passer in the league, or at least in terms of volume, getting almost 90 per match is Tony Cruz, their German central midfielder. He is another veteran, spent the heart of his career with Bayern Munich, so he's used to the big time. Another player, just like Benzema, by the way, that's made over 100 national team appearances as well. This team's current form, well, they've won five straight across all competitions with an incredibly sparkly 20-6 and six goal differential. And now at Letico, give you some perspective. They may be number four in the league, but make no mistake, this is one of the best clubs in Europe. They're ranked just outside the top 10 by that organization. They've won 11 different league titles. Last one was two years ago. Three times they have won the Europa League. Uh, all three of those were in the 2010s. They made the Champions League final twice within that same decade as well, but lost to you-know-who, Real Madrid, both times. This year, they finished last in the Champions League group stage, and that ended their international season. In league play last year, they finished in third place. This year, uh, the offense is okay. It's in the top third of the league or so. They're getting one in the third goals per match, but the defense is a lot better. They are top three. I'm not necessarily sure I would expect a shootout in this one. They've got the third best overall goal differential, but I think if they could just hang on to fourth, that would really be something. Key players to look for with them. Seventh best overall player in the league, looking at a variety of statistics, and second best in assists with six. Antoine Griezmann, French center forward there. He's also on the scoring leaderboard, more or less the top 10 with seven. He's actually on loan here from league leaders Barcelona. Uh, he spent the longest stint of his career, career here, though, back in the heart of the 2010s. And then another interesting player with whom I'm not as familiar, but I've been looking for more and more players like this to really flesh out my knowledge of the biggest teams. Defensively, number three in getting the most interceptions per 90 minutes in the entire league is Jeffrey uh, Kondogbia. He is a French-born central midfielder who uh, I believe technically represents for the Central Republic of Africa. He's only made a handful of appearances for that national team. I'm not sure any of them have been within the last couple of years, uh, but European fans definitely know his name, veteran ones anyway. He's been with uh, Valencia here in Spain, as well as Sevilla, uh, Lens, and Monaco in France, and it Italy. Uh, he's been with uh, Inter Milan over in Serie A. Team's current form, they are 3-1-0 and in their last four. Match number three. And at last, the great national nightmare is over. Major League Soccer returns to our eyes and our ears and our hearts. And since every podcast is going to be talking about so many of these games, and in part because I'm having such a hard time picking which one to preview, we're going to approach it a little bit differently. If you're getting your information from any place else, you're probably hearing more about this particular match than any of the other ones. Because what is more fun than something that is brand new, a bright, shiny new cat toy? We're going to talk very briefly about the game in Austin, and they are taking on expansion side St. Louis City. Austin know what it's like to be an expansion team. This is only their third year in existence, and yet I believe they finished in second place in the West last year. Quite a turnaround from the year before when they were at or near the very bottom. Now, St. Louis City is not a new club, just new to Major League Soccer. They played last year as St. Louis City 2 in the USL Championship. I forgot to look up whether they're still a St. Louis City 2 or not. But regardless, the St. Louis City moniker is now in use for a top flight team. And since we've got all season long to get to know these teams, 
we are going to kick off our season by listening to a blast from the past from last season, episode 88 specifically. I think he'll be in touch with them again with us again this year. If they're still allowing him in the stadium management, if you could whisk us away down nostalgia lane uh, for our barely clothed guest from last year. Now, did you say soccer noob? Wife said when you called last week, it was soccer news. They, Alexa, set the reminder to get Althea's hearing aids checked. Alexa. Oh, damn it. Forgot that only works at home. Well, hello from the stands of Q2 Stadium, home of the Austin FC. Now, I'm a proud 90-year-old and an official member of the club's newest official supporters group, Naked Bongos. In the name of all that is holy, would you please cover up, Razos? Nobody wants to see that stuff. Unfortunately, I had to threaten legal action concerning ageism to get in after my initial attempts to join were kiboshed. I'm the perfect senior citizen rep for the group, too. In my younger days, I was the famous rodeo clown, Razos Bob. I still work out my arms so the ladies can enjoy the gun show. Plus, the scorching sun can't do much more to my old leathery hide than it already has. You know, even a coyote couldn't buy it through this now. Oh, sure, I've got a lot of scars from all those bullhorns and such, but I'm so wrinkly you can't hardly see them. Hey, hey, senor. And I wear boots, yeah, safety first. Necesito pantalones to start a stadio. Uh, so why at naked bongos at all? Well, Matthew McConaughey, you see is an owner with the team. The group name and activities are to honor him and how he used to get down and get crazy. So now we beat ours in the stands to support the mighty Verdes. Now, to be honest, I don't follow movies these days. Hell, you give me John Wayne and she wore a yellow ribbon any day. Well, even that's more than I'm wearing right now in front of the groundskeepers. My goodness, it's hot enough today to fry an egg on these seats. Excuse me while I slather myself with some more sunblock from this gallon vat I load in. Ooh, creamy, cooling, and luxurious. And a bit of wind at last, too. I think I'll kick up my feet here and stretch out. <laughs> God, I see stuff flapping. I think I'm going to hurl. I'm inspired to sing my own homage to the recently deceased Jimmy Seals. Summer breeze makes me feel fine blowing through the ballpark in my mind. Match number four. Who's ready for more Champions League action? Let me hear those hands going up. Wait, that's not the way this works. Oh, well, we're doing it anyway. We're off to the OFC Champions League. That is the uh, Football Confederation of Oceania, a number of nation states down there in the South Pacific. They are in what's called their national playoffs in the second leg of the two-legged ties. Here's what I mean by that as far as the format. The top two teams from the top seven leagues in their association are all facing off against one another. Home and away two-legged ties and only the winners get to advance to what I would call uh, the, OFC, the uh, OFC Champions League 
proper. They do consider this an official part of the event. By the way, they will not be the only teams in there. Last week, uh, one representative from each of the bottom four rated leagues, the tiniest and least populous countries, if you will, they're all having or had a little four-team uh, tournament bracket to determine who would get one more berth. It's hard to go wrong with any of these locations here, but we are going to whisk ourselves away to French Polynesia, French Polynesia, the Tahitian League One, which is the fourth ranked league in the OFC, to see Pire versus Dragon. And again, this is the second leg. Pire won the first one, nil two on the road. So advantage to them. But when they played earlier this season in league, it was actually Dragon that wanted their place two to one. So this is the first time I believe this season they're playing at Pire. Not that you have to go real far, as we'll discover geographically here in a moment. Uh, Pire, that is P-I-R-A-E. It is a suburb of, uh, sure I'm getting this wrong, I'm just going to say Papite, but it's French, so I'm sure there's an A sound with those E's in there somewhere, which is in the north part of the island. It has about 15,000 people there. In 2021, this team got nominated to compete in the FIFA Club World Cup. Auckland City was the team that was supposed to go, but because of New Zealand's very rigid standards regarding travel for COVID, they withdrew. They qualified for this particular year's Champions League by winning the 2021-22 league season last year. And in fact, they're the three-time defending champions. Back in 2006, they had their best ever Champions League finish, getting all the way to the final, but losing there. They're the only Tahitian club to have ever gotten that far. They're about halfway through the current league season and currently sitting in third place, so struggling just a tiny bit to uh, maintain their title. They do have the number one offense going. You can't blame them when they're getting six goals per match. This is one of the most fun leagues to follow online because they don't seem to believe very much in defense, except for the cop the top couple of teams. This team is one of those, of course, and they do have a top two defense, giving up a little less than one goal per match. They've got the number one goal differential. They're still my pick to make a run and get to the title for a fourth straight time. Teams current four, well, they've won four, no, excuse me, six straight. The four in my mind was my eyeball stick up sliding on ahead to the ridiculous goal differential that they have over that stretch, 48 to nil on goal scored versus gold against. Just outrageous. And now Dragon. They are named that because when they were founded in 1968, it was largely to be of athletic service to the Chinese community there in the capital city. They have won three league titles. 2016-17 was the last time. They've been as far as the quarterfinals in the Champions League. That was in 2018 that they did it. They qualified, of course, then by finishing in second place in the league last year. This year, they have a perfect league record. So if I'm going to be wrong about P-Ray winning their domestic title, it's probably going to be Dragon that keeps them out of it. They've got the second best offense going in the league, giving up almost six, uh, or not giving up, or rather scoring almost six per match. And then a top three defense to go with that as well. So this should be pretty even, and I can't wait to see who the French Polynesian representative is going to be in the next stage. Match number five. More Saturday footy, and it's another top two matchup, but this time not related to a Champions League, just domestically here as we head to Africa once again, the Gambia, where the top flight is simply called the GFA League. It is unranked as a league within the African Confederation. The reason for that is a lot of the countries don't get enough international play that they qualify for points, I, I suppose, by their system. 
So they really don't know how to project those teams out. But it's safe to say that the 40% of them that are not ranked are probably not quite on par with those that are. Nevertheless, we like looking for the top matches wherever they are. So say hello to number one, Real de Banjul versus number B, Maramu, one of my favorite ones to say. Real lead Maramu by two in the table currently. And uh, they are up. Maramu is part of a three-way tie, actually, for second place, although they do have a match in hand as well as some goal differential advantage against the other two. The title, I believe, will come down to these two teams. That said, it's pretty early in the season, but these are your only two undefeated teams left already. Real, they've won the league title 12 different times since 1972. It's been about nine years since they won the last one, though. They made the Champions League second round back in 1995, the best they've ever done, hence part of the reason the league really isn't ranked right now. Their last appearance in this event was 2015. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, number one offense getting one and three quarters goals per match, a top two defense to go with that. They've only given up two goals, in fact, in seven matches, and the number one goal differential by a factor of two and a half. These are your favorites. Team's current form, well, they just suffered a nil-nil draw on the road at number six Falcons, the reason their lead is not even greater. And now Maramul, they play out of the city of Banjul as well. In fact, at least looking at the, the roster for this league from two seasons ago, I believe 11 of the 16 teams might still play directly out of the capital city proper. Last year, they finished in eighth place out of 16 teams. This year, the offense, <clears throat> excuse me, would see them much lower than that. They've only scored five in the seven, and that puts them in the bottom quarter of the league. But they've only given up one goal. So a little bit of a parking the bus team, not the sort I typically root for, but they've got the second best goal differential. That's usually not a style of play that ends, ends up winning you titles, but as long as that goal differential stays good, that's a key metric. And I think that they can at least hang with Real de uh, Banjul for a while. Last year, they had tied for the worst offense, but the defense was a little bit more average. That's the reason they only finished in the middle of the league. Team's current form, they have had two straight draws in the last couple matches. Mewling so because they are desirous of knowing how last week's matches went that we covered. Let's let them know. Match number one was a Friday match from Africa's Champions League where they are in the group stage. Al Merik from Saudi Arabia took on Zamalek from Egypt and they played to a nil-nil draw. Match number B was an inter-confederation playoff. Teams trying to still get into the last berths of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Senegal took on Haiti and it was the Haitian gals from our neck of the woods dominating nil-4. Yeah, we said to look for Nerila Mondesir, she had the second goal of the match. Saturday brought us match number three from the Premiership of Northern Ireland, where number B Cliftonville went to number one Larna, and it was Larna getting a 2-1 win, no change in the table there. Match number four from the tight flight, Eredivisie in the Netherlands, number one Feyenoord took on number B AZ. Alkmaar, Feyenoord got the 2-1 win, that knocked AZ down to number three. Match number five from the OFC Champions League, that's the Oceanic Football Confederation. We had Ilaula and Toomata, which was one team taking on Lupe Ole Sawaga from Samoa and American Samoas, respectively. And uh, Lupe Ole Sawaga won nil 13. Maybe we should have made that our route of the week. They certainly did. 
Sunday, match number six from the AFC Champions League round of 16. We had Al-Shabaab from Saudi Arabia taking on Nasaf Karshi from Uzbekistan. And it was Shabaab getting the 2-0 victory. Match number seven from League One in France. Number five, Lille went to Paris. Number one, PSG. PSG had to come back from a 2-3 deficit to win 4-3. For Lille, Canadian Jonathan David scored a penalty goal. And uh, this loss knocked them down a notch to number six. Monday match, match number from the FA Cup, or Hazfi Cup as they call it in Iran in its round of 16. We went minnow watching for third tier Navad Ermia taking on top flight team Paikon. And it was the Division One side winning nil two. Thursday, match number nine from the Europa League round of 16. AS Monaco took on Bayer Leverkusen. Leverkusen got the 2-3 win, and then they advanced 3-5 on penalty kicks after they were tied uh, after all the regular goals were scored between the two matches in the home and away two-legged tie. Match number 10 from the Europa Conference League. Knockout round playoff. Teams trying to get in there. Lech Poznan from Poland taking on Budu Glimt out of Norway. And it was Lech Poznan after a nil-nil draw in the first match, winning 1-0 in the second one. Key player we said to look for, Michael Ishak had the goal. And then your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Saturday brought us the route of the week for which you voted from the A-League men in Australia. Number 12, last place, Melbourne Victory took on number one, Melbourne City. And hey, not such a route after all. It was last place, Melbourne Victory winning the Derby 3-2. Key man we said to look for, Jake Brimmer had two assists, and uh, one of those was on the game-winning goal. And that moved up them up to number 10 in the table, actually. Your most meaningless match of the world from the NB1 in Hungary. Number 7, Akshi, took on number 8, uh, Mezukavisht. And it was Mezukavisht winning 0-2. That moved them up to number 6. And Pakshi slid right on down the other way, down to number 8. And then finally, your matchup, disappointed from the first league of Bulgaria. Number 15, Haybear, taking on number 16, Spartak Varna, appropriately. They played to a woeful nil-nil draw. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's match previews with... Match number six. Onward into Sunday, we're back to League One once again. Well, this time not in French Polynesia, Tahiti, but rather in France. The French version is the number five ranked league in all of UEFA. They don't quite max out on European berths. They've got to climb up one slot to get back to where they once were. Still, they do get two teams that will get to start out in the Champions League group stage next year. Their third place finisher will enter just one round back. And then they'll also get a team in the Europa League group stage and then another one in the Europa Conference League playoff round, the secondary and tertiary tournaments there in Europe. The juicy-looking matchup is number B, Marseille, playing host to number one, PSG. Quick look at the table. PSG sit at 57 points when I scouted this a few days ago. It might have changed between that time and when you're hearing it. Marseille, five points back at 52. AS Monaco at 50. And Lance, or Lentz if you prefer, at 49. Uh, the, the series, as is the case with virtually everybody in this league in recent season, has been all PSG. They've accrued a 22-5-4 and record, and they did win when they played in Paris earlier this season 1-0. You can get this one on BN Sports or BN Sports and Espanol, 2.45 Eastern Time here in the U.S., should you choose. That's all I'm going to give you for this particular one because PSG is an easy team to talk about a lot. And this is the time of show that we've been taking a break to let Person Noob, do a segment that is near and dear to her heart. So now it's time for 
Aminals, aminals, aminals from around your face. Oh, the world. I don't know why I said your face. There's no animals around your face. No. Just pajamas. It's pretty late when we're recording, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And as tired as you are, little one, ready to put yourself to bed, you can't wait to tell people about another endangered aminal, can you? It's a sea anemone, which is also called, more specifically in our case, a... A broad sea fan. And what are a couple other names for it? A pink sea fan or a warty gorgonian. A warty gorgonian. I think I want to write a book someday and have a villain or a, just kind of an unsavory character named Warty. Maybe I'd even make his last name Gorgonian. Wow. But he'd really be a good guy. If I'm going to give him a bad name, I've got to give him a good heart, don't I? Yeah. All right. Well, that's not about the endangered animal. That's just something going on in my strange grain. Now, this is a kind of a soft coral. And is it endangered? Nope. It's vulnerable. Right. It's one step away from being endangered. And uh, what can you tell us about what it looks like? Uh, basically, it's flat or two-dimensional. Um, it has a densely branching fan-like stem, like some firm branches. It has little polyps uh, uh, that uh, extend ha- and hang off the branches. Um, and they're red to pink to white. Somewhere in there. Now, the picture that we were looking at earlier is probably just because of the light from the camera. It looks a little bit more yellow. Does it look like an animal at first glance? No. It looks like a sea plant to me. What do you think it looks like? It looks like french fries or corn. That's a good way to describe it, actually. Yeah, crinkle-cut french fries all kind of stuck together and branching and spreading out in a flat two-dimensional shape. Do you like to dip your fries in ketchup or mayonnaise or even something else? No. No? Oh, I thought you kind of like ketchup. Maybe I'm misremembering. You like them plain? I like them plainer with ketchup. If they're seasoned, I can handle them seasoned, like Rally's fries are pretty good. Today's sea anemone is brought to you by Rally's Franchise. They're okay. But mostly, I like dipping them in mayonnaise, Dutch style. That's not how you correctly exist. (laughs) Well, it's how I correctly eat them. So in some ways, this isn't as cute as the animals maybe that we've covered other times because they don't have all the standard features that we think of uh, with amphibious animals or uh, land-born animals. But it's beautiful just the same the way it can crow, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know if technically what we're looking at is a single plant or a whole bunch of them, but where in the world is it found? Um, the North, the North Atlantic to the Western Mediterranean. Right. So this isn't specific to the French Mediterranean, but that is part of the heart of the area where it's found. And uh, what sorts of areas in the water can we find it? Uh, well, it can grow on rock, timber, metal, or concrete. Wow. So even man-made stuff, it can as long as it settles on there, it can grow out of it. That's pretty wild. And then is it in really shallow water or deep water or, or lots of places? Uh, well, 13 to 164 feet depth in the water, that's where you can find it. Holy cow. Now, see, I would think that a plant would need or not need a certain amount of sunlight. And 13 to 164 feet sure seems like a, a lot of difference. So it must not be quite as reliant. Well, of course, that's because it looks like a plant to me. That's what I'm thinking of. But it's not a plant. It is an animal. And you have, uh, even though it is looks 
coral. We think coral. We think of some of the hard or rock-like. And uh, well, you had a you had a question you asked me earlier today. You want to ask the folks, even though they can't respond to us. I don't remember what it was. Hmm, let me take a think. Oh yeah, is coral the dumbest animal or the smartest rock? We answer, or rather, we pose the hard questions here. And we leave you to answer them, new bites. We're not going to answer it for you. This isn't that easy of a show, is it, person new? Nah. We make you do some of the thinking. Yeah. That was a really serious question, wasn't it? That's yeah. pretty funny, though. I've not heard that before. Did you make it up yourself, or did you catch that somewhere? Uh, on the internet. The interwebs, the interblag, full of lots of exciting things. So, does this thing get uh, big as a mouse or big as a skyscraper? Uh, it can grow to the height of 20 inches. But half that size is way more typical. And what about the width? Uh, looks about the same. Okay. Uh, it grows at a right angle to water, so it looks so it's like a net. Uh, the currents bring by whatever it feeds on for nutrients. Uh, and the polyps have little tentacles to catch its food. Yeah, it kind of does have a vaguely net-like look to it, doesn't it? So mm -hmm. that right angle means that the current's running to and through it, and then it can catch, I suppose, plankton or other little plank, you know, or the other little plant bits that are in the water, is my guess, is, you know, the remains of other animals, probably whatever is floating around and super, super tiny. And then uh, how about, it certainly doesn't make babies like land animals, does it? Uh, no, tree produce and makes the larva. Okay, and then what happens with those? Uh, the larva uh, floats around for a while, then they settle into a seabed. Uh, and the larva at first are in like a little yolk sac, which means it's lecithotropic. Wow, I think that you, uh, other than not knowing if that first C is supposed to be hard or soft, I think you did a better job pronouncing that than I ever could have. I'm going to make you start doing some of the uh, Welsh names and some of the... Uh, uh, names from Cyprus and Hungary and the other thing. Uh, and can you say, uh, I think we should name our first ever sea anemone, this if we ever had one, uh, based on the great Hungarian team. Can you say Ferencvaros? Ferencvaros. Sea anemone. Sea anemone. Pants. No. <laughs> that one was a little easier to say, but you have made the right decision. And then uh, as far as when these things grow together, do they expand really, really quickly or kind of slowly? Uh, no, colonies grow from zero to two inches per year. So not a whole lot. They go slow and steady. And what's, uh, are there any, are there any main threats to them? They don't look like the sort of things to me that other things would eat. Uh, no, their main threat is dredging. Dredging. Oh, okay. Like maybe for aquatic farming or, or maybe they're trying to scoop, uh, scoop dirt and stuff out of the other, out of the way to affect water levels for various industrial reasons. Okay, I get that. Now, you surprised me earlier today when we were talking about this in preparation. Normally, I'm the one who wants to know, can I eat the animals, especially once they're not endangered? This does not look like a particularly tasty animal to me. But er corn. earlier today, you said it looks like corn. It's corn with polyps and tentacles. It's got the juice. It has the juice. <laughs> well, it's got the yolk-like sacs for the larva. That might be kind of like juice. It has what you said. <laughs> Polyps and tentacles. 
if it weren't so late, I think you would hang on to that. You know what else it looks like to me? It looks like kind of spiral pasta, which I guess is close enough to a crinkle French fry that I'm not really going out on a limb there. Did you just pretend to eat the picture? This is an audio podcast only, so all I can do is describe that you and your hoodie pajamas, all gangster-like. What are your pajamas? These are from uh, Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah, they're green and would make you very hard to see if you were to suddenly get zapped into a virtual world. Can you? Are there any sea anemones or coral or anything like that in the Minecraft that you've played so far? Uh, they have coral reefs. Coral reefs. Okay, well, that's certainly related. Those are probably harder corals, whereas this is uh, more vegetative looking and therefore a soft coral. So I don't know anything. We didn't find anything about uh, preservation activities going on for these. I suppose all we could do is slow down the dredging that's happening around the world. Maybe there will eventually have to be, if there aren't already, uh, protected areas where they're not allowed to do dredging if these things were to go from vulnerable to extinct. But they are sure cute in their own unique way. And before you nod off fast asleep into dreamland, I want to say thank you for telling me and everyone all about uh, the Warty Gragonian, the broad sea fan. Do you have any last words? I want to eat the coral reef. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds like an old 97 song or maybe something by Weezer. I want to eat Coral Reef. Oh, well, now she's waking up a little bit. Maybe I'll be able to talk her into staying up and helping with more than the pre-recorded countdown on the rest of the show. Thank you, Person Noob. And that was... Aminals from around the world. Uh, I still got to work on that, don't I? Sure. Match number seven. And now after that fun ocean underwater excursion, let's finish out our weekend in Europe still. Germany's Bundesliga is the destination. It is the third ranked league in all of UEFA and so they get the maximum of four Champions League bursts right into the group stage. Your matchup number one Bayern Munich taking on number three Union Berlin. Now normally we like top two matchups but get a load of this table. Bayern Union Berlin and Dortmund are all in a three-way tie at 43 points at the time that I scouted this. Again, as always, it might have changed between the time I scouted it and the time you're hearing it, so please forgive any differences there. They're only separated by goal differential, and we have Freiburg and Leipzig lurking just back at 40 and 39 points each, and of those five teams, only four get to go to the Champions League, so things are going to be really tight, it looks like, through the end of the year. The series between these two has been all Bayern, as is the case with most teams they play. Last seven games, they have won four and have uh, managed just draws on three of them. When they played earlier this season in Berlin was one of the times that Bayern only managed a draw. You can catch this iteration at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time here stateside on ESPN+. Bayern Munich, they've won just about every title for the last decade, 32 overall. I believe they've won six Champions League titles, three this century. The most recent one was at the end of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, they are just statistically a behemoth. They've got the number one offense by an awful lot, scoring almost three points per match. That is cartoonishly good when you're talking about a top league. It's one thing for it to happen in a place like Tahiti. Uh, and then uh, the number one defense of the league is there, supposed to have as well, giving up exactly one goal per match. One of the few uh, big leagues or leagues of any kind, if feels like where you can be that good and not holding your opponents to less
less than one per. This is something of a high-scoring league. They've got the number one goal differential by better than a factor of two. They are, as always, your favorites to win the league. The only reason they're not ahead by more, or the main reason, uh, is if you look at the standings, you'll notice that they have a whopping seven draws. That is tied for second most in all of the Bundesliga. Tied for number four in league scoring with 10 for a key player is Jamal uh, Musiala, attacking midfielder, just 19 years old. He's also tied for third best in assists in the league with seven. What an absolute find for them and getting so much playing time at such a young age. And then a really another interesting stat, I've been trying to look for these, as you know, number one in goals per 90 minutes by a lot. So he may not always be starting, but when he's in there, Boy, he's really getting it done. One and a third goals per 90 minutes played for uh, Mathis, M-A-T-H-Y-S, Tell, who is just 17 years old, making the other guy look like an old man, uh, an attacker from France. Uh, He's also number one in shots per 90, so he is not shy. But you know what? He's accurate. He is second best in the league in them being right at the goal. And by the way, we do have a USA connection with this team, or not a USA one, but one from our area, Alfonso Davies from our neighbors to the north in Canada. He plays left back for them right now. And uh, depending on how you want to look at the stats, I like the Mob app. He is considered the third best player in the league in some regards. Very exciting. He's got four assists on the season. Excellent passer, good dribbler, and he does it a lot. And he gets a lot of interceptions. So this is a guy who is not merely playing a wingback type role. He does truly do a lot of defending. 2015 through 18 is where we get uh, a little bit closer to the USA connection that he played for a league where most of the teams are in America, but he played for Major League Soccer's Vancouver Whitecaps for about three seasons. Team's current form, but they just had a 21-match unbeaten streak broken, a 3-2 loss at number eight Gladbach. That is an astounding run. And yet without that loss, it's just amazing that a team like, you know, that they would be in first place. And then your visitors today, Union Berlin, they finished second best in the top flight long before it was called the Bundesliga 100 years ago, the 1923 season. Best they've ever done. Not a lot of international history to boast of here, but they are about to play Ajax in the Europa League knockout round playoff. Last year, they finished in fifth place, hence the reason that they are there. The defense is what is uh, going to get them in an international play again this year. They've got the second best one in the league. Their offense doesn't really keep up in a league like this. One and two thirds goals per match is pretty good, but that puts them not way above uh, the mediocrity line in this particular league. They've only got the fifth best goal differential. So as much as I like fresh blood, I've really got to say, I think Union Berlin, at least of the three teams that are tied now, is not the one that I think will come out on top. Probably wanting to disagree with me on that would be team leading score. He's got seven on the year. Geraldo Becker, who is, I believe, French born, but I know for certain that he at least is eligible to represent and has declared so for Suriname. He plays center forward with them. Uh, one of many players from around Europe and the world who came up with the Dutch team Ajax, who are oh so famous uh, for spending all their time and money developing youth players. But the best player that they've got and in the league top 10 is Danilo or Danilo 
Dokai. He is a Dutch center back, 24 years old, who also came up with Ajax, but he stayed home a little bit longer. Spent his last few years with Vitesse in the era de VCA over there. He's got four goals and one assist, but that's just in 12 appearances. So he's making the most of his time. And then on the defensive side, in terms of save percentage, they have the number one goalkeeper in the league. They are going to need him on this day with his 79% save rate. That is Frederick Renau also. Uh, I was going to say from the Netherlands, but no, he is from Denmark. He's got six clean sheets on the air. And we do have a true USA connection here. A striker who plays for the UMNT has done so a couple dozen times nearly, and that is Jordan Pifak. He won the Golden Boot last year, which means he scored the most goals for Young Boys of Bern, one of the high-flying teams over there in Switzerland. Team's current form, they only just managed a nil-nil draw versus, I believe, last place Schalke 04, and that snapped a five-match win streak. Match number eight. After a busy weekend like that, you deserve a bit of a respite from your tracking of the main 10. You shall have your Monday off, and Tuesday we get back into it and head to South America, yet another confederation. I think we're hitting them all this particular podcast. Conmebol where the Copa Libertadores, their version of the Champions League, is going on, and it is in its second qualifying round. Now, the first qualifying round had only six teams in it, so three of them got to advance, joining 13 teams at this particular round. The matchup that we are going to look at entering at this round from Peru is Sporting Cristal, and they are taking on a team that we looked at in one of our last episodes, Nacional out of Paraguay. From that first qualifying round, it might be fun to just keep following them, see how far they can go. But as home team, we will talk about Sporting Cristal first. They play out of the city of Lima and are known as the uh, Cerveceros, or Brewers. Very nice. Number 35 ranked in all combo So even though they're having to enter fairly early here in the qualifying stages, this is a pretty talented team historically. They've won domestically 20 league titles. In fact, the last one was uh, in 2020. Champions League, they've never won it. They did finish in second place once. That was in 1997. Their last appearance in the event was in 2019. They finished in third place in the group stage. That dropped them down to the Copa Sudamericana. That is their equivalent of the Europa League, a secondary international club tournament where they lost in the round of 16. They play out of Peru's Primera División, which it always surprises me to see Peru ranked last in that particular regard. I was expected to be Venezuela because it's such a baseball country, very unique in that particular regard. But they are ranked last of the 10, at least according to Kick Algorithms, a site that I trust a lot. They qualified for this event as the number three bid team, if you will, out of Peru. They were actually number one on the year in the aggregate table, but they didn't win either of the two stages, the Apertura stage opening or Clausura stage closing, which if you're new to that concept, it's basically uh, two half-length seasons compared to Europe, and they're very much separate. So since they didn't win a stage, they have to enter the tournament a little bit earlier than a couple of teams that they were actually better than for the year overall. In the 2022 Clausura, they finished in second place. They had the number one offense by quite a bit. They were the only team getting over two goals per match. They were in third place in defense, but really a rather distant third, still overall the number one goal differential. So this is a team that's coming in in pretty good form. Uh, On the scoring leaderboard for them with seven in the league season so far is Alejandro Holberg, or not this season, I should say. There are only three matches in to the 2022-23 Apertura season. 
But during the Clausura stage last year, Alejandro Hoiberg was the man. And now, Nacional out of Paraguay. Even though we looked at them somewhat recently, let's have a little refresher. Paraguay's top flight is the number three ranked league in all of CONMEBOL, once again, according to kick algorithms. And yet this is a team that's really barely within the top 75 on the continent. They play out of a very spicy hotbed of soccer, an area called Obrero in Asuncion. It's an area that isn't all that big population-wise, and yet it has four major football clubs, two or three of them all play in the top flight, and yet they're all crammed into this one suburb. They have won nine league titles in the past, though it's been a while. 2013 Clausura stage was the last trophy they got to hoist domestically. They qualified for this event as the second best non-stage winner from their league's aggregate table last year, which means they didn't win the Apertura, they didn't win the Clausura, but they did have the second best overall record of the teams that didn't win either of those. Hopefully you can follow that. The important thing to know is that they got the fourth and final bid out of that league. Uh, they do enter in a little bit form than they started the last season. They only finished number six in the Apertura stage, but climbed up to third in the Clausura. Uh, in that stage, they had a uh, they finished fourth in offense, a rather distant fourth, one and a quarter goals per match, a top four defense as well. So it was really not a fluke that they finished exactly where they did. This really is the fourth best team out of that league. I think they're going to be at a distinct disadvantage this time around. Tied for number four in scoring in last year's Clausura stage was Danilo Santa Cruz. He netted eight. Team's current form, well, they're just three matches into the 2023 Apertura, so it's a little hard to say. Match number nine. We head to the hump day for our last two matches. Wednesday match number nine comes from Guatemala's Liga Nacional Clausura, a bit closer to home. This is considered the fifth-ranked league in CONCACAF, according to kick algorithms, and the third-best one in Central America. I believe things have yet to be officially announced for how they're going to do the CONCACAF Champions League in its next iteration. If they hold true to more or less what I would see as form in previous years, the top two teams from nearly all the Central American countries, probably everybody but Belize, will send two teams. My best guess. Uh Closer to home for them, so to speak, domestically, the top eight of the 12 teams at the end of the stage, and again, they're in the Clausura stage right now, will head to the league playoffs. They're about a third of the way through the season. And your matchup is number B, Comunicaciones, versus number one, Club Zelaju, or Zelahu, I'm not even sure, X-E-L-A-J-U, probably Zelahu. Looking at the table, it is Zelahu in first place with 18, Comunicaciones with 15, and Guastatoya just two more points back. Since we've got so much time left for this particular league in their season, and at the very least, these two will be playing again, plus it's just the time of show that we always do this. Uh, sometimes I get a little hungry. Sometimes, instead of being rumbly in the tumbly, I might just be a little parched. And in fact, I do have a very dry throat right now, so perhaps I can get it watering through our culture break, which once again, as, as it nearly always does, uh, means something food, or in this case, beverage oriented. There's a fair chance, especially if you know anything about Latin cuisine and culture that you're familiar with this, but you know what? I wasn't, so you're just going to have to bear with me, and it sounds delightful. It's another X word. I believe it's pronounced zocolato. It is basically an Aztec variety of hot chocolate. It goes way back into a, and this was, by the way, also a thing within Mayan cultures. 
Now, Zocolotl is a spiced and actually slightly bitter drink that was popular again with the Aztecs and Mayans. It's very rich. And uh, quite often you can make it, or you'll see them made these days with uh, uh, chili peppers ground up in there, vanilla and cinnamon. And you can have this hot or cold. I don't tend to be a hot beverage guy. I don't like feeling warm on the inside. I don't know if any of you have that in common with me or not. I would drink this or most anything else cold, even my coffee. Now, Zocolotl actually originated in Mayan culture and is considered the original hot chocolate drink of the world. In fact, and I'm embarrassed I didn't even realize this right away, our word chocolate actually comes from that one if you think about the spelling. Now, this was not necessarily enjoyed by any and everyone. It was largely considered to be the preserve of the wealthy royals or nobility, uh, but they also served it to warriors uh, to give them energy. Oftentimes it was mixed with a, a, a I think, a nixtilatized like maize gruel or something with extra calories in it to give them lots of uh, stamina, lots of energy. Uh, they enjoyed it very, very bitter, and they tended to drink it cold. The version we're going to talk about is a traditional recipe where chocolate, cinnamon, chili, and vanilla combine into this delicious drink. It's a little bit sweeter, uh, so it's suitable for more modern tastes. So let me scroll down here and find the recipe. Here's the ingredients that you're going to want. Uh, milk, and you're going to want to use, uh, don't use uh, basically diet milk. Uh, use a full fat-laden milk. It's best for this recipe. But really, you can use whatever milk you tend to enjoy with it. Uh, chocolate chips. Uh, I know I said it wasn't sweet. Trust me, you're going to want dark chocolate or at most semi-sweet chocolate chips if you're going to make this in a traditional fashion. If you're being a little bit less traditional, honey, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon is something you're going to leave in whether you're making a traditional or the regular way. Vanilla. The vanilla and the honey can kind of be left out if you want to stay traditional. But you're going to want to do this or you might as well just get a store-bought band of regular old American hot chocolate. Red chili. You're going to grind up those peppers. You can find a recipe with the specific amount compared to the amount of water or milk that you're using for this. Yes, you can use water well, depending on how spicy you want to have it. You're going to simmer this for a long time, as long as it takes. You keep having to check the spice periodically. The longer you simmer it, I believe the spicier that it's going to get. And so you want to stop it before maybe it gets way out of hand. So you're going to warm your milk or water, the chocolate chips in a pan over low, medium heat until that chocolate melts down and you're going to whisk it a whole bunch. And then you cut the chilies in half, remove and discard the seeds. Whisk in the water. And then if you're having all these things, the honey and vanilla, and then definitely the cinnamon, and then you add the chili. Allow the mixture to nearly come to a boil and then take it off the heat. Then you're going to want to let it sit. Do not serve this right away. You want everything to get infused with the variety of flavors. As a little bit of a tip, uh, taste during this time and remove the chili if it's getting too spicy. You can always add more sweetener if desired. So I kind of went back and forth a little bit there, and I hope it wasn't too confusing with it. So basically, the authentic variety is not going to have the vanilla or honey the American or a more modern uh, version of this for those of us who like our sugary drinks, you know, you'll want to add those things in. And there's a little bit of a trivia about this uh, drink. A couple of things you can do. I mentioned it was a very rich drink. My understanding is it's tradition to actually pour this back and forth between cups to make it frothier. It'll actually look a lot more 
like a hot chocolate, excuse me, uh, rather than, you know, maybe looking a little bit more coffee-ish. And then one other note, this beverage was actually worshipped by or used in worship by the Mayans, not necessarily the Aztecs. And they used this in a variety of ways, both at funerals and other sacred ceremonies. So if you're feeling a little parched as well, don't have too much of a sweet tooth, but particularly if you do like dark chocolate, well, this could be just the new thing to add to uh, your mix of beverages you enjoy. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And by finally, I am sure, daughter dearest, that you mean it's about time that we finally got to some minnow watching. We put it off for as long as we can. We're heading back to what I think is probably the home of it, the English FA Cup, where teams from all the way down to the 10th level of the football pyramid started out participating in lots of qualifying rounds. A few survived into the event proper. We are now down to 16 teams in the fifth round. Matchup we're going to look at is Southampton. They are not playing well in the Premier League, but still in the Premier League. And they, by luck of the draw, get to play host to the lowest tiered team that we have left alive. That is Grimsby Town out of League Two, which is the fourth division and still a fully professional one in national in scope there in England. They're the only team left from that level. Nevertheless, even though they're ones worth they're the ones we're a little bit more interesting in and rooting for, I would suppose, as underdogs. Southampton, they are hosting. We will talk about them first. Uh, they play about 70 miles southwest of London, south-central part of the country. City of well over a quarter million people there. And this is famous for being in part where the Titanic was launched from. They won this particular event one time, but you've got to go all the way back to the 1975-76 season. Their best league finish, they have never won a title, but in 1983-84, back before I believe it was called the Premier League, they did finish in second place. They got to enter this event in the third qualifying round. They beat Crystal Palace and then a Division uh, Two team in Blackpool that they beat 2-1. to one. So instead of their competition, at least on paper, getting harder, it's actually getting easier. Right now, yes, I found in my notes they are in last place in the Premier League. So I suppose if you had to get a team from the Premier League, Grimsby Town, perhaps this is the one you wanted to get. Their offense is not very good. They're only getting three-quarters of a uh, goal on average. That puts them... Uh, right about number 16, but their defense is even worse. They're giving up one and three quarters goals per match. Second worst of all goal differential. They will be down in the championship almost certainly next year. Their best player and team leading score with six on the air is James Ward-Prowse. Play central midfielder for them. Good enough that he has even made 11 national team appearances there in England. And then I want to look for something uh, more unique even than I have been for some other things in terms of the stats. Here is your league leader in most fouls committed for 90 minutes, three and a half times. He's getting the whistle blown just for him. That is Sekou Mara from France, just 20 years old, so a little aggressive. Maybe he's not quite ready to be off his proverbial mother's apron strings. He plays striker for them. Uh, other than fouling, I'm really not sure how much good he's doing. He doesn't have a goal on the season. He's only got one assist. Does have a good tackle rate. So when the other team gets the ball from him after not taking a shot, uh, he is at least taking them down at a pretty good clip. Started his career with Bordeaux over in League One. They might be in League Two right now. He made some appearances for the French national team at the youth levels, but never or hasn't at least yet gotten to the senior team. Time will tell. Team's current form, well, 
They did just beat Chelsea nil-one to snap a three-match losing streak. And now, Grimsby Town, they are known as the Mariners. Now, Grimsby is the largest town in this county, or at least in their area, but they actually play at a smaller one called Cleethorpes. And uh, there's a really famous music venue here I was reading. It's just one of uh, just a handful of places in the United Kingdom that allowed bands like oh, The Clash and ACDC to perform during a period that was considered one of a punk boycott in the UK, which I was not familiar with at all. So very interesting. Uh, by the way, I mentioned the county they play out of. It is Lincolnshire. And yes, it is Grimsby that is uh, one of the larger towns there. 1954, this was the first English club to ever appoint a foreign manager. They had a guy out of Austria. They won uh, the second division once in the late 1800s and once in the 1930s. That's about as well as they've ever done when they climbed higher in the pyramid than they are now. Uh, twice they have made the semifinal of this event, but you've got to go back about 90 years. They won the tertiary cup event in 1997-98 called the EFL Trophy officially, the Carabao Cup by sponsorship, or the Moose Cup, if you like to call it, what I think they call it most often over there unofficially. This team got to enter at the first round, so not in the qualifying stations, uh, stages, but right after that. And they've gotten their start. They got pretty good draws. They got to beat up on three straight League One teams. Now, that's no, that's no easy feat for a team playing up a level at all three of those. But things are really going to escalate, even against Southampton, because push comes to shove, it is a Premier League side. Last round, uh, they beat a championship side in Luton Town, 3-0 at home. Uh, they had to, uh, they only managed a 2-2 draw when they played them the first time in Luton Town, so they had to do what was called a replay and try again, and the second time was the charm. Uh, they were just promoted to League Two last year. They were in the National League the year before, which is the fifth tier, the same one that uh, uh, Wrexham is in, which is famous, of course, for having been recently brought by uh, actors uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds. And I'm sure you're probably catching some of the streaming. I believe it's on Hulu for that. Currently, they are in 17th place out of the 24 teams there. So not too bad for a team that just got moved up. Uh, their stats don't seem to imply that they will be climbing too much higher. They're only in the top 14 and 15 on offense and defense. Team leading scorer with six on the air is Harry Clifton, plays central midfield for them. Uh, he's made a few appearances at the youth level uh, for the Welsh national team. But I think overall the best player they have is an Irishman, also plays in the very center of the field, Gavin Holohan. He's got four goals and one assist. Good dribbler, excellent on interceptions, clearances, headers. So between the two of them playing in the center, I would say that he's the one tracking back and has some more defensive responsibilities. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Bring forth the bonus matches! And before we get into them, thank you so much to everybody who has taken the time to vote weekly in our polls on Twitter, where you can find me as Soccer Noob USA. At the beginning of every week, I put up candidate matches for these three very unique previews. You make the decisions. The dreamy content manifests. It is delightful. The first one is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of, of. Of, of, the week, 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 week. 
You got to love the homemade echo sound effect, don't you? Well, I do. It's my kid. I'm biased. Tuesday, you have voted for one from the European country of Montenegro. The first league is the top flight there. It's not a first league, though. It's one of the last leagues. This is the number 54 ranked league in all of UEFA. That is second to last, I believe, just ahead of the tiny little microstate of San Marino. So, Their champion will have to start in what is called the preliminary qualifying round, where there's just four teams competing for one spot to get into the first qualifying round proper, if you will. And they'll only be happening to send this year one particular team to the Europa Conference League, I believe, out of league play. On the other end of the spectrum, just as important for a route of the week, a roadkill match, one team from this league is going to get relegated automatically at the end of the year. Two may survive or may not. They will have to play relegation playoff or playout matches with a couple of good teams from the second division. Your matchup, number one, Sudjeska, taking on number 10 in last place, FK Iskra. Now, Sudjeska, they lead a team that I'm much more used to seeing at the very top, uh, Budnikost Podgorica, by two. On the other end of things, Iskra, they trail number seven, which is the high, the lowest team that represents complete safety from even the relegation playoff matches, which is Yazero by two points. So things are far from settled at either end of the standings. These two teams have played each other twice already. Last time they played one another at home, Sudetska dominated 3-0, and then they did manage a 1-2 win on the road as well. The series between these two has been all Sutjetska in recent years. A 17-6-5 and record is theirs. They play out of the city of Nikšić, which is in the west central part of the country. Very hard to say without the show suddenly having to go from PG-13 to rated R, at least for me. It's the second largest city in the country, about 75,000 people. It's an industrial center of the country, and interestingly, I'm not sure that football is the most popular sport in this area. It is really, really heavy into the combat sports from what I've been reading. A lot of, uh, not necessarily MMA like we see over here, but uh, judo, wrestling, some other things. And by the way, if you're wondering about the name Sutjetska, that's actually the name of a river in the area. Five league titles they have won in the past, and they are the defending champions, and they are uh, your uh, somewhat recent power or one of the powers. They've won all their titles since 2012-13. Internationally, the 2019-20 season, they played in the third qualifying round of the Europa League, almost made the group stage, best they have ever done. This season, they lost in the Champions League first qualifying round, dropped down into the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. Domestically, they have the number one offense by a mile and are the only team getting over two goals per match. Number one defense to go with that. Number one goal differential by a factor of two and a half. You know, part of the fun of the route of the week is trying to find reasons that I think, you know, what can I hold on to hope regarding for the other team? And I'm just not seeing any chinks in the armor here on paper, so to speak. Tied for number one in league scoring. And uh, he's up there by quite, or not tied, he is number one in league scoring by a lot. 12 is Tyrone Conrad. I say it that way because it's got two A's. I wanted to pronounce it a little bit longer. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last six and have won their last two matches. 
And now Iskra, they play out of the city of, or really a small town of Danilovgrad. It's a small town between Podgorica, the capital, and the city of Nikshish. So they don't have too long of a trip. So part of that overall conurbation of this actual town only has about 5,000 people in change. By the way, Iskra, if I have the right of it, means spark in many uh, different Slavic languages, including what would be spoken here most predominantly. So kind of cool, kind of a take on fire. 2015-16 was their first ever season in Division I. And in the 2019-20 season, I should say, they had their best ever finish climbing all the way to number three in the league. They got to play in the Europa League first qualifying round. Uh, Didn't go so well for them there. This year, they lost in the Europa Conference Leagues first qualifying round. They got to do that because they finished in fourth place last year, and that slot was good for an ECL berth back then. The offense is, I don't want to say, okay, they're not getting even a goal per match, but compared to most of the league, that's not completely terrible. That uh, puts them right about the bottom third, but they've got the worst defense, giving giving up almost one and a half goals per match. Team leading scorer, the guy they're going to have to hang their hat on and hope is uh, Halil Moharamovich, there we go. Forgot to practice when he plays midfielder for them, and he's got four goals on the season. Normally, this is where we jump in next with the most meaningless match in the world, but we've got a not-so-meaningless, in fact, a grand interview with our friend that I mentioned earlier in the podcast back at the beginning. So we're going to jump ahead to what is normally the 13th and final match, the third of our bonus matches. It's not always such a delightful preview. It is the match of... Yes, two cellar dwellers. You have voted for them from a Friday match. They're just getting it out of the way so they can try their best to enjoy the rest of the weekend. From the Welsh Premier League. This is one of these this team has been in last place a long time. And I think this is probably the third time we've talked about them, at least the second. You all seem to really like hearing about these sad sacks. the Welsh national team, this is very strange, is much better than this, but the league is ranked number 50. In fact, I don't think that any of the Welsh national team players actually play in the Welsh Premier League. Kind of interesting. Because it is so lowly rated, they their champion is the only one going to the Champions League. They have to start back at the first qualifying round. Two Europa Conference League berths are at stake for the first qualifying round, and neither of these teams will catch wind of any of that. Um, two of the three sources that I regularly look at say that two teams will be relegated. I believe that is the case, but I do want to at least acknowledge that I, there is one primary source that I use that indicates it will only be one. If it is one, well, then we know which one it's going to be. It is already mathematically set, even though they're like maybe only 60% of the way through the season. Number 12, last place. Number one in your hearts, possibly. Airbus UK Broughton, normally just known as Airbus. And they are taking on number 11, Aberystwyth. Uh, Aberystwyth, they trailed number 10, Pontypridd, by just one in the table. So even if two are getting relegated, uh, they've still got a, a fair bit of hope uh, to be able to switch places with at least that team. They lead Airbus by 25 points in the table. We'll get into the why of that shortly. The series between these two in recent years has actually been pretty even. Uh, Aberystwyth have had the slight advantage with a 15-2-12 and 12 record. Not many draws in there at all. This season, Aberystwyth has won both times, a 2-1 win at home and a 1-2 win on the road. Airbus, let's get into it. 
Oh, try to hold your nose. They are known as the wing makers and oh, how they need to just fly, fly away down into the Coomery uh, uh, North or South League for next year. Broughton is, of course, the name of the town out of which they play. It's in the eastern part of the country, more or less right along the English border. About 6,000 people there. It's named after the Airbus factory that helps make the nearby villages some of the richest in all of Wales. If only they could put some of that money into the darn team. They actually got to go to the Europa League three different times. Maybe they were getting some money at one point. Uh, they never got past the first qualifying round, but between 2013 and 16, they went three straight years. Didn't win any matches, but they did manage three draws. Last year, they won the Coomery North, so I guess that's where they're headed back to. And how do we know that for sure? Because they are in negative points in the table. For those who are newest, you get Three points for a win. Each team gets one points for a draw. How on earth do you end up at negative two points? Well, the team hasn't won a match, only has one draw on the season, but they lost three points, got penalized by the League Four, fielding an ineligible player back in September. I could almost feel bad for this team. Come on, let them go. They're going down anyway. What did they start? Somebody who didn't have all his paperwork done? Please. They are only one of two, I believe, European top flight teams in all of Europe that have not yet won a game. The other one is a Cremonese, and uh, they are playing out of Serie A for the moment until they drop down. I actually was watching them a little bit three or four days ago, and they had a 2-1 lead on somebody for all of about 40 seconds, and then they ended up getting just a draw. Broughton is the worst offense and defense in the league. They are giving up three goals per match. I don't care if the league is only rated number 50. You just can't do that and be a top flight team in your country. Uh, teams current form. Well, back in September, maybe this is one where they had the ineligible player. They actually got their one draw. It was a 4-4 shootout at home versus number six, Newtown. And now Aberystwyth, that is in the west central part of the country. Uh, they're located right on Cardigan Bay. This is a city of about 15,000 or so. Very touristy because it's uh, you know right there on the beach, obviously, given the name, but it is also very close to the Cambrian Mountains. The team, they have decided to go the watery way for their nickname and are known as the Seasiders. 2014, they made, I believe, their lone international appearance, at the very least in the modern era, in the Europa League. They appeared in the first qualifying round. Last year, they finished in eighth place. This year, uh, they don't have one distinct weakness. They're second worst on both offense and defense. They're not getting much more than one goal per match and need to get quite a bit more. They're getting doubled up on a lot more often than not. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three and just managed a home 3-3 three, three draw where they really needed the win versus the aforementioned Pontypridd Club. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yeah. And now, which you've all been perhaps most looking forward to, our long-awaited guest actually knows something about this sport, a whole lot of something, as opposed to us mere noobs. And we very much appreciate him coming on to help entertain and educate all of us. He's here to help us with our final bonus match and so much more about this league and his native country. Let's get into the interview.
two teams of which we want to become so fond that we celebrate them in song and hope that the estate of the late great prince of the new power generation doesn't come to sue us. The most meaningless match in the world. Let's shine a spotlight on two teams that probably don't get a lot of attention on any other podcast, at the very least in our particular neck of the global woods. The match that you have voted for, folks, this particular week that went out is a Saturday match from the Cypriot First Division. Yes, we're back to our favorite world league in Cyprus, ranked number 21 in all of UEFA for the coefficients. I believe that they now just get one team in the Champions League, and it has to start in the third qualifying round. Uh, two teams in the Europa Conference League and I believe they start in the second qualifying round. And then what I'm a little bit less sure of, of is whether or not there are two or three getting relegated. But guess what? All the questions that I could ever possibly have and more will be answers given to us almost certainly by, amazingly, our returning guest, Thassos. Thassos, how are you today, my friend? Hello, 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 hello. I am doing fine. How are you guys doing? Oh, it is. Uh, we're uh, here in my part of the here in my part of the United States. We are not getting the epic snowstorm that is out there, so we're enjoying uh, sunny and seventy-five for the second day in a row after it nice. uh, not being spring-like since you know, well, last fall, which would be autumn-like. But you follow my drift. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, I know, I know American words. I know how that works. And how are things on the This Is Mappa show? Oh well, um, I, it, it, obviously people might have not caught this week's one yet, but uh, the league is in complete meltdown due to uh, due to the performance of referees at the moment. So it's it's an interesting one. Stell and I are uh, are uh, suffering a little bit trying to keep up with the amount of news and press conferences and statements that are coming out from relevant parties all over the place it's, sure so was there one particular match that there was some uh refereeing no, naughtiness in or what is going on all of them all of them apparently nobody nobody's happy nobody is happy um which is which is interesting the the, the state of our ref, the referees in the Cypriot league uh are being uh uh decimated by the Cypriot teams however the Cypriot FA has signed a deal with the Danish FA, and uh, there is a, a swap deal going on where five Cypriot referees are going to be uh, refereeing in the uh, Superliga in Denmark. So it's going to be interesting. That, and then be interesting. Are, they, uh, are they reciprocating and sending some uh, referees from their uh, league and system over your way? Exactly, yes. So, for instance, uh, this weekend, there's, there's obviously there's the match we're going to talk about, but there's also uh, a big derby match going on between Abuela and Omonia. Uh, and they've decided to uh, provide a Danish referee for that to kind of try and keep a lid on those two teams as they try to kill each other. On the <laughs> now, is that just is that because, just because they think it'll be more likely that that referee will be perceived as truly uh, neutral or is that just because no matter how it turns out, they can quickly whisk that person uh, away and out of the country? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> yes to both. <laughs> Fair enough. An all an all encompassing answer there. I, I like how you mentioned that, you know, obviously, you know, starting with the match we're covering, which, you know, there's, I don't, 
I've not run into any shows that do it our particular way, just scouring the whole world for, you know, uh, top two matchups and prioritizing the matches the particular way we do, where we we almost give like the Champions League from any confederation, for example, uh, a same, you know, the same we put them on the same pedestal, if you will, on the same plane, almost as the UEFA Champions League. We just want to go where important matches are being played, if it's important where they're being played. But the most meaningless match in the world, uh, that's anything but. It's sort of the, a match that we generally have the impression that it would, it's you know, wouldn't be important comparatively, even where it's being played. And so the match we're going to look at uh, today. Uh, and I'm going to need your help on the pronunciation again, I'm sure. Uh, the home team is uh, number nine in the table as things stand, and that is uh, Anorthosis. Am I getting that right? Uh, yeah, the uh, syllables. syllables. Is I got the right letters in there, but that's about yeah. it, right? Yeah, exactly. No, you know, you've got the, the pronunciation is correct. It's just the wrong syllable, as you like to say. So, it's a bit, But, yeah, you, 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 were, you, were, you were close enough for... Uh, well, so how, and how, how is it said properly? Anorthosis. Anorthosis. Okay, so it's the second. Yeah. So it's the second syllable that gets that. We were talking a little bit off air right before this that I had been working on uh, a pronunciation for a Welsh team, uh, and uh, that one looks like to me it should have its uh, emphasis on the second syllable, and in fact it's the third one. But we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. A Barrett. Aberystwyth. I still want to do it wrong. Aberystwyth. Uh, Northosis. That's the one. Yeah. Okay, and then they yeah, are so playing host to number eight, A-E-L. Limassol. That's the one. Okay. Limassol, yeah. Okay, so uh, so Limassol. So it's pretty much even on the pronunciation all the way through there. Okay. Limassol. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, as uh, at the time that we scouted it, and this may have changed listeners by the time that this uh, airs, there's always a little bit of uh, a time in there. Uh, currently, AEL lead uh, a Northosis by two in the table there in the middle, and they uh, they trailed number three, Paphos, by 14 in the table. Meanwhile, so they're not going anywhere, as it would appear as far as international competition. And then Anorthosis, they lead number 13, Olympiakos Nicosia, by 20 yep. points in the table. And so being equidistant from those two positions, that is how we here at Team Noob identify it as one of the, quote-unquote, most meaningless matches in the world, but from having uh, it, having had an exchange with you on Twitter, you would make uh, a very sound argument for why it is not so meaningless at all. Would you uh, detail us on that, uh, Bassos? Yeah, so in essence, uh, what there is, is there's uh, a regular season, so where teams play each other twice, and then once that's done, there is a kind of like, I wouldn't say off-season, but there is a second round to the league where there's a split between the top six and the bottom six. Now, at the moment, obviously, the top three, four are pretty, pretty glued on at the moment, as are the bottom four. But the bit in the middle where both Ireland and Orthosis sit, there is three or four other teams that are trying to fight to get into those last two top places into the top six obviously there's a bit more money involved in playing in the top six than the bottom six so 
actually it makes a bit more of a difference uh on top of that is obviously once you get to the top six you're playing you're only playing other top six teams so you're more likely to get more fans into the stadiums sell more tickets so there's a whole there's there's a whole thing going on there um yeah so europe wise as well fourth place becomes a uh, a qualifying berth for europe if the cup winners have already made their way into europe via the league Sure. So one of those uh, conference league berths would slide down for the number fourth team. So exactly. Yep. Yep. We so, see a lot of that all around Europe because so many of the cup winners are teams that are all already going to qualify through league play. That makes sense. Oh, interesting thing. Last year, the cup winners were Omonia and they were in the bottom six group. So they had qualified for the Europa League, whereas, uh, uh, third, second, third, and fourth only qualified for the conference league, or third and fourth for the third conference and fourth. League. That's right, because yeah. last year two teams from Cyprus got to go yeah. to the yeah, championship. I got Whereas this there. year, yeah. I think when I described it, I have the right of it now. It is only the winner that goes this particular year for whatever reason, and then two are automatically going to the conference league, independent of the. Uh, independent of the FA Cup scenario. Exactly. exactly. So the, yeah. the money that is involved, you mentioned that, and I wanted to ask about it. Being able to get more Tukas's in the seat certainly makes sense. They will play a double round Robin uh, for the championship yeah. phase, correct? So an additional 10, exactly. ga- uh, 10 games for the top teams. Do mm-hmm. the point, because uh, I know this varies league to league around Europe, but I think I know the answer to this, but I'm hoping you'll confirm it for me. Do the teams, um, do the points start over or are they cut in half and rounded up or down at the start of the champions round or does everything just stay exactly as it is? Everything stays exactly as it is. Um yeah, there are some there there are some leagues that that do the um that uh, that that do the split differently, but uh, yeah, here it's fairly straightforward. Is you go you carry on with the same amount of points that you had before. The thinking behind it is obviously that once you pair, once you group two sets of teams together that are similar skill levels, then any point differences kind of cut down as you know, uh, teams beat each other uh, kind of all the time. Sure, which, a little less volatility yeah. with the play when you're not uh, when you're not beating up on the uh, uh, Doxa Catacopias and teams like that of the country. Yep, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no disrespect to Doxa, but you know, all twelve of their fans. I, uh, yeah, they're having a tough time. I want to say they're in tenth <laughs> or eleventh place. So you know, yeah, uh, go, go Doxa. Well. <laughs> I know. Uh, we- Hopefully we pick up a listener too in Cyprus just based on people being familiar with your show and we don't want to alienate anyone. It was just the first team in the bottom half that came to mind because they've just got yeah. a cool sounding name, at least at least to uh, my Western eyes. There's something about it that I... It, it's it's yeah. kind of like Ceramica Cleopatra over in the English Premier League. You know, there's just it just leaps out for some reason, you know, to me. But, you know, maybe it's just a very normal name over there, but... It's Ceramica Cleopatra. Where do they play? That's another team that could be. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're fairly. Uh, they might uh, appear in a. Uh, I think I've had them in the polls before. They might someday get oh, right. to uh, appear on the show as uh, a most meaningless 
a, a most meaningless yeah. match participant. Okay. I want to say they're in something like seventh place over the Premier League. Hard to believe I have a little bit of tr- a trouble keeping track of it all without it in front of me when we're following yeah. all the standings everywhere. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Literally that's the entire world from men's top flights yeah. and a few women's ones to boot. Yeah. So, it's a big spreadsheet, that one. <laughs> no, I let I let I let Soccerway and a couple other sites be the spreadsheet for that. All right. Yeah. So, uh, aim, now these two teams seem very well, uh, not just uh, in the table this year, but in general. I know that the series between them is very very even. The last oh, I'm going to say decade or so. I saw AEL has won uh, accrued a 14, 10, and thirteen match. So this should be a very even matchup. Should that would that be fair to say, or is there a gap yeah. there that I may not be aware of? Uh, historically, no. Uh, I think they've won, uh, they've won similar amounts of titles between the two of them. Um, and Office has obviously been a bit more successful in the Champions League. We talked about them before being the first team to to get into the Champions League group stages. But yeah, 2008, like, 2009, I want to say. Uh, you probably have that to hand uh, easier than I do. But uh, yeah, <laughs> they. They, 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 you know, they were in a group that involved, that had, uh, that had, uh, I think Milan. They had a Milan team in there. Uh, Jose Mourinho was in Cyprus. I remember, I remember that they made a big deal about him going to Cyprus. But anyway, yeah, the um, between the two teams themselves, historically they're very similar. They're actually very similar with, uh, with I think their teams at the moment. Uh, although they've got very different styles of play uh, based off of their signings that they've both made in January and kind of how they set up. The... Yeah, I noticed statistics, statistically, wow, that was hard. Yeah, all this Welsh <laughs> and everything else had thrown me off. It really looks like, is, a, is AEL a team that really parks the bus? I see just based on the uh, some of the metrics that... Um, it really looks like they uh, succeed a lot on defense, but do very little scoring. Yep, that's that's exactly right. Uh, the reason for that being is I, I made so many signings up front uh, to their strike force and their attacking players uh, at the beginning of the season. So they signed players like Kevin Miralash, uh, Saido Berahino, uh, Alexander Kachaniklik. So these are these are players with Premier League experience, like English Premier League experience, uh, and you know that didn't do badly in the Premier League either, except for Kachaniklik. I don't think I don't think he did very well at Fulham and Liverpool. But you know these are these are players with English Premier League experience, and they all play up front. So um, kind of when the league started. Everybody thought that IL were going to do very well, and then the kind of the first five or ten, five, five? yeah, first five games, they lost every single one and barely scored goals. So they sacked the manager, uh, and then they brought in Janewski, who's who's this manager that they have uh, at the moment, and his first thing was to shore up the defense. So he shored up the defense, expecting this very good strike force on paper to perform and they just haven't been doing it. Yeah. They haven't averaged a goal per game from what I'm seeing. Although yes, the defense appears to continue to be very successful. I have it that they're only giving up three quarters of a goal 
uh, per game on average. Uh, since we're on the uh, since we're on the visitors uh, IL, uh, the one player that I happened to uh, notice that uh, stood out. I was looking at uh, some of the uh, scoring leaderboard was a Saido. Um, I'm not, uh, yeah. Barahino. I was going to give it a yeah. Portuguese pronunciation, but he's in fact from, uh, center forward from Burundi. Is he still, is he still starting for them? Do you know, or has he been uh, replaced yeah. by some of these other players? So, so the, uh, the strike force has been very fluid file and it's just because of, um, on top of obviously the issues that they had at the beginning of the season, they seem to have an injury crisis that just has continued all the way through the season. So players like Berahino, Miralas, uh, they've had a couple of their defenders, their top-class defenders that have actually been injured for a while as well. Midfielders, players like Aaron Shibola have been out for a month. Uh, there's, there's so many injuries that that team seems to be suffering from just all the way through the season. Um, and the they haven't been able to solidify a first 11. Uh, where Berahino seems to have come into a bit form the last, uh, I want to say, two, three weeks. So he, he has been getting in amongst the goals um, when the goals have gone in. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue that I'll have. Uh, and uh, I think the way that they've set up at the moment kind of serves players like Berahino and uh, another player that they have out on the wing is Kassar, who is also um, who's also kind of like the same type of player. Speedy wingers uh, get forward and kind of uh, drop into the box, kind of at the far post, uh, try, trying to kind of, keep out of the way of the central defenders, which seems to be working. It sounds um, like uh, particularly on offense, though, the cons- the injuries and the, the consistency, the fluidity in the lineup has really cost them quite a bit this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, somebody predicted them to come first this year. Um, <laughs> Was that somebody really you on your show? <laughs> I, I have not on my show, on, on, my, on my website. Like, before they... Um, before before the season started, I was like, look, look at all these players this team has signed. They're going to come first. Uh, and they've been extremely disappointing. Um, and it's mostly based off of those first five games of the season. Um, I well, that's otherwise... a hard thing to climb back from. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially since all the teams above them. Yeah, form has been very up and down for all teams this season, which is which is strange uh, for Cyprus normally, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, the the form table uh, kind of gave them a bit of a kicking at the beginning of the season, and they just haven't recovered from it. And then we have uh, uh, a Northosis, a very different team, the Phoenix and the Old Lady, from what I've read, which is. Uh... A very interesting name, but I've seen that with clubs like uh, Juventus, a play on some of the the youth-oriented team names out there. Uh, I see in some places that they're still listed, and I suppose it might be the official club name, uh, a Northosist Famagusta, but they haven't played in uh, Famagusta in uh, decades now that they're de facto part of Northern Cyprus. Do I have the the right of it as far as the landscape there? Yes, so... um... The uh, it's 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 a bit of a difficult one to explain here. So, 
Anorthosis uh, are a uh, what you'd call a refugee team. Right. Yeah, playing so, in Larnaca now. Yeah, they're playing in La in Larnaca now because of the invasion, the Turkish invasion in 1974. Uh, Amorthos right now, which is where they're from. Famagusta uh, is the Venetian name for it, and uh, that's that's kind of how they they, they took that, uh, and it's just it's just easier for uh, international audiences to pronounce Famagusta rather than Amorhostos. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so um, them and Nea Salamina, and also Voxagadogopias, they're they're also a refugee team. Uh, th those three teams currently play obviously on the free on on the non-occupied side of, of Cyprus, um, and there is kind of the um, the way it works with sports teams. They're they're very good at maintaining kind of that link with the uh, town that they're yeah. from. So there's a yeah, lot of... I've really been wondering how hard that is to do because the uh, the original uh, the original occupation started when the early seventies. Am I remembering right? Or is it a little bit later than that? Yeah, nineteen seventy four. Okay, I was thinking seventy two for some reason, but uh, you would know a little bit better than I would, and I was I was close. So yeah. Oh, a decade, right? That's not bad for a silly American. Let's see. Now, uh, I know that they haven't won a title in the league since 2008-2009, uh, from what mm -hmm. I'm seeing. And uh, they don't have any uh, substantial Champions League experience, I don't think. They're, 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 uh, their speed tends to be more to get the to the Europa League group stage and then really not get any further than that. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Last season they got to the yeah. Last season they got to the Europa League group stages. Uh, they didn't do much there, but there is a very good goal. One of their players uh, scored. Um, you ready for this? <laughs> give, His give. name is is Greek. His name is Lazaros Christovoulopoulos. I can never tell when you're messing with me. <laughs> no, it's Lazarus Christovoulopoulos. But is he still shirt, with the team? No. So, um, right. Let me let me delve in here. Anorthosis, uh, up until about a month ago, were a massive circus. Like the the, the amount of stuff that went on uh, in and around the team uh, is uh, is unbelievable. So. Um, at the beginning of the season, they hired a director of football in the summer, and that director of football made a load of signings. And then after about one or two or three games, they sacked their director of football. They hired a, coach in, a new coach in the summer, and him, after four or five games, got rid of him. At the same time, uh, the fans were extremely unhappy with the... Uh, the the, the uh, president at the time running the team, well, his name, uh, I can't remember his first name, but his surname is Bulaidis, uh, and he's based out of Bahrain in the uh, in the Arabian Peninsula, um, and he was basically running the team from Bahrain. Uh, a lot of his uh, a lot of his uh, businesses and finances are based 
in uh, in that country, and that's how he was financing the team. However, the way he was running the team made a lot of the uh, fans uh, unhappy. All right. So has the has the has this merry-go-round uh, stopped or do you think uh, I'd like to think there's nothing else coming this season. Uh, you know, maybe there could be uh, more of those shenanigans in the off season, but do they seem to have settled on what they want to do as a team for this year or the next couple of years? Well, so this is why uh, the game coming up is very, very interesting. So up until last month, the uh, I think it's yeah beginning of beginning of January somewhere around there, the chairman of Arnotlasis uh, was adamant that he wasn't going to leave, but uh, a game uh, at uh, a game at their stadium versus Garmiodisa uh, basically got cancelled in the like the eighty seventh minute. After Garmiotis had scored a second goal against the team for them to uh, be losing the game 2-0. And basically, the ultra fans that were at the stadium started taking bits of the stadium off and chucking it onto the pitch. Uh, yeah, they were good and riled up. I've seen uh, not yeah. that particular one, but I've seen video of those sorts of things before. Yeah, well, they set fire to the to the goal netting. Uh which is all well and good, but the opposition goalkeeper was the one uh, getting the brunt of that. So the referee took all the players off the pitch. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, um, you're going to set a net on fire. That's one thing, but uh, player safety yeah. has to <laughs> come. Uh, yeah, Let's exactly. do it without the goalkeeper there inside <laughs> inside the uh, line. Exactly that that was that was what the uh, that was what the problem was. So. Um, after that, obviously, lots of pressure. There was a ban on fans being in the stadium for three games, I think. I, I, I assumed there was a ban. And I was going to ask for how long, but they're getting to have fans and they're, they've let them back in now, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, because of that, they um, uh, the, the chairman resigned kind of almost immediately. Uh, on top of that, they released Lazaros, um, who was the goal scorer of that goal uh, that I mentioned previously. Right. Um, now, they released him. It took them, they announced that they were releasing him in November, and they didn't actually confirm the release until uh, beginning of this month. So that's one thing. That's quite a uh, while. Were they just listing him on a on an injury report or no 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 it was entirely not addressing dispute. it. It was a contract dispute. Ah, okay. So they were wanting to cancel his contract and he was not uh, agreeing to it until they uh, came to an agreement about I'm guessing a breakage fee. So yeah. Sure. So yeah, that, we would. Yeah, we would. Yeah, buyout tends to get used over here, but I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, buyout. Sorry. So yeah, exactly. Has he? Has he caught on anywhere else? Uh, well, he's gone. I think he's gone back to Greece. I think oh, he's okay. at Bauk. I think he's at Bauk now, if I remember correctly. He's he's, he's in he's in Thessaloniki anyway. He's in he's in the second city in Greece. Um, but also, Anorthos has got rid of one of their star players as well. Uh, again on a free. They got rid of Amar Warta, who was their best player at the time. Uh, and instead, they signed uh, three strikers 
and an attacking midfielder. Now, what that's done is uh, got them scoring goals, which is what they were having trouble with uh, at the time. Uh, there's a player called Mraz, who in the last four games, he's, he started three games and, um, uh, and came off the bench in one. Uh, he scored a hat trick and another goal in in what in uh, in those four games, uh, and yeah, he's been he's been a revelation for him. Antonin is another player who's come in for them and he's done very well. As has Guerrero, uh, and I'm blanking on the fourth signing. Well, I'll, but, I may be able to help with that, or maybe not. Maybe these are two of the people who have been moved away. I had noted at one point that they were team scoring leaders, uh, Casimir Ninga from Chad. Yep. And uh, Samuel, uh, I'm not sure how to say it, but Mraz or Emraz, Mraz yeah, from yeah, Slovakia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Samuel Mraz is the one who scored the, he's been scoring the goals for them the last, well, since he signed for them uh, at the end of January. Um, but yeah, it means that Ninga is now not playing as much because they've got um, they've got players like Antonin and Guerrero and Mraz taking taking a space instead. Right, so there there was a bit on this is map I used to do every week on one of their players. Um, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Wari. They signed him from Strasbourg, and he's a, he's a forward player, uh, and he played a lot up until January, and he had one assist in that whole time. No goals, one assist. No, that's so, not typically what you're looking for from your forward players. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, uh, before I forget, one other, other thing from uh, Miraz, and in a way this doesn't matter, It, it well, it, yeah, for them it would matter, obviously, but I'm just curious. I had in my notes that he's on loan from Serie A club uh, Spezia, uh, is Correct. that no longer the case? Have they signed him outright now there in Cyprus? No, 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 no. He's, he's on loan from January to the end of the season. Uh, if, uh, if the Anotasi board have got, if the new Anotasi board have got their heads glued on properly, then they should be trying to sign him permanently. Well, I wish them good luck with that, but I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's his idea or his agent's idea or what, but this is a guy who doesn't, it, it appears he only stays uh, a season to a season and a half anywhere he goes. He's got a, uh, he's got an impressive, I, I don't know how he would get his resume all on one page. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> he had I played mean, for a ton of teams and in, in, in a variety of countries. Yeah. It, so his situation's a strange one because he seems to have, so teams seem to recognize uh, that he has very good qualities. But he seems to get sent out on loan a lot to kind of get his first team experience up, which is why that um, that his CV his CV looks the way it does. But yeah, he's. Um, I mean, I, I think it's. A, I think it's a very good. I hope player. for their sake he's not recalled the the Spezia. It looks like Spezia. Uh, I don't know positionally where they're lacking, but look, I mean, they're they're uh, dangling just above the drop zone in Italy, so. One never yeah. knows who they might recall trying to uh, trying to keep from uh, dropping down to the B level, but it's good for him yeah. that he's getting getting plenty of minutes there uh, with uh, a Northosis. One other thing I wanted to ask that you uh, started to address earlier: you mentioned that they've uh, the club has tried to do a really good job with staying connected 
uh, to fans in, I'm going to go with the easier one to pronounce out, oh, but forgive me, uh, Famagusta. Um, yeah. is, is this a team, uh, is travel real easy from one part of the country to the other? Do player do, do a lot of people travel from their uh, city of founding to uh, Larnaca uh, to Not, see them? Or have uh, they built up more of a, a, have they had to build up something of a fan base actually in uh, Larnaca over the decades? So the way that the, um, from, from what happened with the invasion, Mojostos, uh, Famagusta, whatever you want to call it, is at the moment is a ghost town. So, um, oh wow, I thought I assumed it had been like repopulated. Okay, no, no, no. no. So, uh, the occupied side uh, have built a town next to it basically, but Amohostos itself is currently as it was in 1974, albeit with you know, nature starting to reclaim well, uh, the nature reclaiming the city back. Oh, yeah, it sounds um, like a post-apocalyptic uh, Hollywood movie set at this point. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, if you uh, if you ever visit Cyprus uh, and you go down that part of the island, there are actually uh, boat uh, excursions that kind of go round, and you can go... Uh, it's still quite it's still quite far away, obviously, due to the military presence uh, the Turkish army. So they're still they, they don't go very close, but you can kind you can see kind of the the, the city as it was, uh, and there's built buildings with trees growing out of them. There's a half finished skyscrapers still with the cranes up and 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 all kinds of stuff there. So it's a very it's a if you're if you're from there or your family's from there, I can understand that it can be a very, uh, a very emotional kind of thing to see. Because I I got a little bit emotional seeing it, and I don't have much much of a connection with that part of the island. It's uh, so the team itself is kind of a connection to the town. So um, the. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. the popula the populace itself from back in the seventies, you know, if, if they're not so the populace itself moved to Larnaca and other places. I'm now guessing within the island they didn't exactly. they didn't stick around post invasion. So is there a is there a and I don't know if you, I don't even know whether to use the singular or the plural um, in very are they in various cities are there sort of still cohesive in some uh, fashion. Uh, anorthosis communities is that still a strong thing yes yeah, so obviously Larnaga is the biggest city closest to uh, to Amorosta and Famagusta so a lot of people who were displaced in the 70s ended up moving into Larnaca now the, the, the whole thing with Larnaca is there was a, a very big Turkish Cypriot presence there so there were also a lot of because there was displacement of Turkish Cypriots as well as Greek Cypriots, so a lot of Turkish Cypriots left the Greek, the the, the non-occupied side, and went over to the occupied side. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, on top of that as well, there was a lot of um, uh, a lot of refugee housing built, a lot of apartment blocks built in the seventies to house a lot of displaced people. Uh, and if you, uh, you could probably see on uh, Google Maps 
around around the stadiums for Neatalamina and uh, Anorthosis, you'll see that they have a lot of this 1970s big block apartment housing around there. So there was a lot of, there was still a big connection between the people that uh, lived in Amorostos uh, when they moved to Larnaca. But obviously, people have family all over the place on the island. So some people, when they were displaced, they moved to Limassol and Nicosia, they moved to Paphos uh, and, moved, and moved around a lot. Um, but the, the core, kind of the, the core of uh, the, the displaced people and their progeny, uh, word. <laughs> the, yeah, the people after them, uh, based mostly around uh, Larnaca and and you know the surrounding villages. Yeah, it occurs um, to me it's only been one sort of you know because you know I was born in the '70s, so it's really you know been one you know sort of one generation if you will or maybe depending on how you want to define it, a generation and a half since the uh, invasion that. If that to me doesn't sound like a very long time, then I'm sure by uh, any European standards, that's you know practically like it was yesterday. So even as you know, people move around the island and society gets more you know mobile everywhere, it it, it doesn't sound like that's a connection that's going to be uh, uh, fading away with people's. You know, you're probably now getting into you know second generation you know second or third generation second generations of people who you know their grandparents were displaced from anorthosis uh, anorthosis rather darn it i've been getting it right for a little bit um you know who don't who have never uh you know who you know a second generation who have never lived there but it doesn't sound like that connection will be fading away anytime soon that it still gets to uh live on with the club at the very least yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the club is basically a proxy for the community uh, to the point where uh, Anorthosis and Neatalamina played each other a couple of weeks back uh, and the stadium was full on both sets of fans and they all held the same banner up to say like uh, to, to, um, to wish for a free Anorthosis once again so they can move back. That's wonderful. So it, it um, I don't know if that's, uh, that actually leads well into this question then is uh, uh, Anorthosis, are they, uh, are the club and the fans there on, uh, re, you know, pretty darn good terms uh, with the, uh, I'm going to say more traditional for lack of a better way of saying it, but teams who, that are originally from uh, Larnaca or have some rivalries developed there? Um. Uh, good question. Um, so the 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 whole thing with Larnaca is they had two teams originally, uh-huh. and they they then merged into one, and that's AEK Larnaca right now. Yeah, we talked about them. Uh, yeah, we featured them in the match last time we talked, I believe. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they're uh, they've actually got a conference league match against Dnipro tonight. Oh yeah, the uh, Ukrainian side. That'll be exciting. Yeah, exactly. Um, the um. So there isn't much of a rivalry due to obviously the newish nature of Ayaglan Naga compared to the old lady 
they, 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 they call her the old lady. They call her the old lady because uh, it was a team created in a sports association created in 1911. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the sports team was created something like 20. I'm trying to trying to get the dates right. Something like 20 odd years prior to the uh, Cypriot FA being a thing. Oh wow. Yeah. So they've been a thing a very long time. And uh, and then, of course, the other nickname I've seen from them, the Phoenix, now knowing more of the, the history of the, you know, the, the team and the people from there, obviously, arising from the ashes, re reconvening somewhere else. Obviously, that nickname comes directly from that. That's it's hard not to get uh, around it's or it's not hard to get behind a team like that. I, I can't help but thinking here in the States how something how something like that would go that if, uh, and I, I won't invent any hypothetical circumstances, but if there were a, you know, a team say from Mexico that, you know, relocated, you know, over here for whatever reason on our particular side of the border, you know, I wonder, I find myself wondering what, you know, and they, and they moved to, and they relocated to a city, say somewhere in Texas, like Houston or Dallas, would that team be, you know, would there be a lot of solidarity behind the team between any people who followed it from wherever they had been from and the people who were already in Houston or Dallas, you know, would the old fans and the new fans get along or would they be seen as, uh, you know, outsiders and it become an immediate rivalry? I could, for some reason, I have an easier time imagining that here to some degree, but it sounds like very much uh, the opposite in Cyprus, where there's a lot of uh, a good feeling, empathy, and uh, solidarity uh, behind uh, the Anorthosis team uh, there in Larnaca. Do I am I getting the am I getting the general sense of it uh, reasonably close? I mean, yes. Obviously, there's always uh, there's always rivalries that develop, and uh, uh, ultras not liking certain teams and whatnot. But in in general. Uh yeah, I, I I've never I've never seen too much animosity aimed towards Anorthosis. The only time I've seen animosity for Anorthosis was when they were in the Champions League qualifiers or when they got into the group stages, and uh, they uh, one of the qualifying rounds they had to play Olympiagos in Greece, and um, the team went to Athens, and the team was that their bus was attacked. Uh, and and all the way through the the game, the uh, Greek fans were chanting, call, calling calling uh, the the visiting Arathosis fans uh, spawn of Turkey. And that that's the only time I've heard big trouble. Sure. Between... So nothing domestically for them, but once they traveled near, well, obviously the relationship with Greece, Cyprus, Turkey, all, you know, beyond interwoven, but no, no problems like that domestically. It doesn't sound like at the very least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. But obviously, so uh, we we sidetracked a lot again. We seem to sidetrack a lot with me. The the. The, the the game. So if I go, if we go back to the game. Oh, are they playing the, a game? Yeah, they're playing uh, a game. I don't care about the uh, game anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking about it not being important, but obviously, the, the, I'm here to say that there is some importance to it. 
obviously the, the top six. Right. Now, from whence so, does that stem? Because if either of these teams does manage to climb from the bottom eight into the top six and make the championship round, uh, mathematically they would be alive. But where do you put the chances of uh, any team that finishes in, say, fifth or sixth before the championship round or the second phase of the season, uh, do they have any chance of winning the league or, or climbing into uh, a conference league berth slot? Do you think a conference league berth slot? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it will depend on obviously you cup winners. Um, but yeah, that top three, four at the moment, uh, based on previous form, be very difficult to catch up. Um, however, uh, as we discussed on, on this week's podcast with Stell, none, none of the original top three from the weekend previous actually won. So, oh. yeah, it, we, we, we were basically asking all the way through the podcast, was like, does anybody actually want to win this league? <laughs> Yeah, we had the uh, we had the route of the week match the last time you were on, and I think it uh, I can't remember if it, it finished, ended up it finished as one all. Yeah, I was going to say I thought it remi- I thought it was a draw. I couldn't remember if it was one one or two. That happens once in a while with our route of the weeks. So about once every uh, five weeks, you'll end up uh, you'll end up seeing a you know a top team falling asleep or a, a bottom team that maybe wasn't so bad. And they're finally recovering from injuries, and if they got the game at home, that you know, they really can be competitive and that's, you know, yeah, part of the fun for that, for that particular match. But yeah, that's really something that all the top three were losing. So it doesn't sound like if you make the champ, if you can, it sounds like if you can make the champions around nearly all things are possible. I wouldn't necessarily expect somebody to uh, jump up all the way to first place and go to the champions league, but especially based on how the FA cup goes, it sounds very realistic by what you're describing that a team could climb from uh, sixth place up to fourth and uh, not only make more money just by being in the champions round, but earn some more coin uh, by getting into international play. Exactly. Exactly. The obviously, so the, so the reason why this match is important is anorthosis, mathematically it's still possible for them to to get into that top six yeah just uh, barely though yeah exactly so <clears throat> uh, if any if any of the three teams in fifth sixth and seventh uh win this round then anorthosis are out yeah uh, i see but- uh yeah i see uh ammonia and uh apollon at 38 Yep. So both then, both six points ahead. So they could catch one of them, but they've got to they've not only got to win their last two te- games here in the first phase, but they've got to have some help on the goal differential side as well, it looks uh, like. Well, it's not necessarily the goal difference side. So if they win both those games, uh the way it works in Cyprus isn't goal difference. It's oh, both, it's head uh, to it's head. Head to head, exactly. I was and, just seeing uh, that, yeah. And I think against Omonia, they've got a good record against them. I can't remember uh, for Abolon, though. Because obviously against Omonia, they beat Omonia 4-1, uh, which was kind of the start of this kind of renaissance that they're going through at the moment. So prior to that game, everybody had kind of written them off. Uh, and 
but they're still mathematically with a chance, and it's the same mathematical chance that they had like three games ago. Sure. Now, IL, they have a much better chance. Uh, two points doesn't sound like a lot, but when you get to the this point of the season, it certainly is. If they were to win their last two matches, it would look like they've got a you know a better than average chance of finishing in the top six. Only trailing teams that are currently slated, uh, you know, you know, Omonia and uh, Apollon, you know, by four. But they've got uh, Nia Salamis. Yep, yep. Now tell me now. It depends. It depends. It depends how you see it written. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I've seen that two or three, two or two or three different ways. So, but yeah. we know who I'm talking about at the very least, and that's the most important thing. They've got them to contend with in between, and then they. Mm. Uh, but I also see that uh, IL have a real advantage in that they still have a match in hand. No, no, no. That no may, they don't. That they may don't. not be the they case don't. by the time this episode airs. No, 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 no. They they, they don't. So that much. Uh, there was a match between Aela and Abollon um, before Christmas, I think it was in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened there was, uh, was the last match that was going to be the last professional match between the teams that was going to happen at the old stadium before they moved to this new one. Mm-hmm. And the ultras of both teams decided that they uh, wanted to help <laughs> close down the stadium. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. So prior to the match starting, especially on the IL side, they'd uh, started breaking apart the concrete in the stadium and throwing it onto the pitch. So the referee, while the while the both teams were warming up, the referee took the players off the pitch, uh, put them back in the changing room and then never came back out. And the decision that was made was that that game will not be replayed and neither team will get the points for it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's, that makes perfect sense now because I'm seeing 23 for them and 24 for everybody else, but that's not a match that's being rescheduled. That is exactly how that is going to be us be hypercritical for them. What a, what a turn in the season to have that happen. However, the next game, so not, not this match day, the final match day for this round is those two teams playing against each other. That could be very, very interesting. <laughs> here's here's hoping they get to play a full 90. <laughs> well, well, um, yeah, I think I think there won't be any Abolon fans there based off of that, that's another story. But no, no, Abolon have had uh, a punishment handed down by the Cyprus FA telling them that they're not allowed to have fans at the next home game, which means there will not be any uh, home fans at the... Oh, in, well, oh it's going to be at their summer. place. Okay, I thought maybe yeah. it was going to be if they were traveling that the FA or the other team said for safety, we're not allowing any fans, but they're going to be playing that either behind closed doors or with no exactly. home fans. Exactly. exactly. That it'll is, be, yeah. I wonder how yeah. many, I wonder, I wonder if it'll be another hundred years or a lot less before we start to see some of these sorts of things here on the state side or see them a little bit more prominently than we, than we do now. Cause that's just not, <laughs> yeah, I, I it, never, it, I never thought that by seeing them a match behind, I thought, Oh, well, they, you know, they've just got an extra match to play somewhere along the way, but. 
not no, the case at all. I wouldn't no. have thought that I had to look that up. Yeah. 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 All right, so let's get into prediction mode, if we could. It hasn't gone great for us the first two times, but it's been fun. Uh, So with these two, I want to approach this from two different angles. Um, Well, first, obviously, uh, how do you see this match going? Let's start with this, and then I'll let you do both at the same time if you want. The other question is going to be just looking forward, you know, uh, just, you know, another extra match. Uh, Which teams do you see? Uh, do you see either of these teams getting through to the champions round, or do you think they'll stay on the relegation side of the line? Mm, right. So the uh, the the good thing about the interesting thing about this match is both teams are in form, uh, and both teams are in form for different reasons. So Isle are in form because of what we spoke about previously. It's because of their defense. They don't. They don't let goals in, whereas Anorthosis, on the other hand, are uh, where they are at the moment form-wise because of this new strike force that they have, and they're scoring lots of goals and having plenty of chances. Um, on IL side, uh, I would say it's important whether or not Muriel in goal plays or, or not, because uh, he's a very... Um, the, the, the team kind of plays with a lot more confidence when he's in goal. Uh, just just for just for reference sake, Muriel is Alison's brother. Alison, the goalkeeper, plays for Liverpool. Um, now, if uh, if Muriel plays, then it's going to be a match. It's going to be a very very tense match. Uh, I would think that the Anorthosis manager will line up his team a bit more defensively, but they're the ones that will have to go full pelt at it. Yeah, they can't afford to settle for a draw. (laughs) Exactly. Whereas IL have a bit more flexibility, bearing in mind they need at least a draw to kind of keep up with with that top six. So I would, I'm thinking we're going to see Anorthosis attack a lot more and probably get the goal that they need uh, but I see it being a very, very tense affair and it being like a 1-0 or a 2-1 win to an off-the-seat. Yeah, I like, uh, I, from based on your descriptions and whatnot, I'm going to go with uh, a Northosis as well. I think that they've got a little bit too big a hill to climb and that it's going to be uh, Nia Salamina and AEL that go forward. So uh, uh, Salamina are going to have to carry the uh, the uh, Famagusta uh, flag because I know that they're a, they're a refugee team as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't see the standings changing that regard. I think it's too much to ask uh, uh, an Oasis to make up the six uh, six points, get all the head that you know, get all the extra help that they might need climbing it. But mm-hmm. I do I do think that they're going to get a win uh, over over AEL. So hopefully I can find that internet stream we've talked about before and uh, actually get to watch it online. Paramount Plus carries a lot of leagues over here, but they haven't ventured as far for us as Cyprus yet for some reason. Ah, don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> the, the Cypriot invade the, the Cypriot invasion of the, of, of for uh, in the American soccer fan base. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it and I will be happy to have played my small part historically. Oh, me too. If that happens. 
Oh, it'd be it'd be wonderful. Um, so for uh, we talked about it this uh, this particular way last week. Um, my original vision for this uh, program was to introduce people to football from all over the world. And while it would be great if folks kept listening, the idea would then be to uh, graduate them on to uh, shows with a little bit more meat on their bones like yours, whether they, you know, find a favorite league in the world that they want to follow outside of the West, you know, outside of the North American continent or graduating to uh, other you know, other shows uh, with more expert, uh, uh, both hosts and guests to learn more about, uh, you know, Mexican and American and Canadian soccer. And you, of course, along with your friend Stell, have a great show on YouTube. Uh, tell the fine folks again about the name and where they can find it and where they can find you on Twitter. We want to make sure that uh, we get your name out there some more. Oh, yes, of course. So, uh, the podcast is called This Is Mapa. So this is and then M A double P A. Uh, and uh, you, you'll you'll find you'll you'll find that on all the socials uh, as well if people want to look for that. Uh, and I am mostly seen floating around Twitter, um, reporting on the Secret Football League news, whether it's. Uh, whether it's memes, making fun of uh, football clubs, social media accounts, like looking at the serious business with regards to referees and rate, uh, making fun of second-rate American soccer shows. Oh, maybe not. No, yeah, so there's that as well. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 if you want that, that's at Flares Gaffes. So it's F L A R E S K A F E S. So the idea behind that is. Uh, Cypriot football fan two very important things that you need you need your flair and you need your cup of coffee pyrotechnics and caffeine they they shouldn't always go together but they should when we're getting our Cypriot football fix Uh, Thassos it's it's been an absolute dream having you on this week and lots of other weeks. We keep trying to make connections here, me and my daughter, for you know people are you know around the world, and and we've had some people on from here in the state side appear on the show who have some expertise on leagues that they follow in other parts of the world. But you are our one uh, guest, not to mention repeat guest, who's truly uh, uh, become a a foreign correspondent for us. And having all this knowledge, you know, extra knowledge imparted to us just makes the league that much, you know, more fun to follow, whether it's, you know, on paper, quote unquote, you know, on the Internet, or if we ever get lucky enough to actually see some of these teams in domestic play, as opposed to just getting to catch them, you know, on uh, cable or satellite when it comes to the European tournaments. But it's it's truly been invaluable. It's, you know, the show has been on a year and a half and this was the reason I wanted to do it. So yeah, this is just considered this a very long winded. Thank you for being part of the program, this particular European season. But listen, uh, I'm all for one uh, getting, getting people more interested in, in this league, because as, as we've discussed over uh, so many, uh, so many episodes, I think this is three now, Yes. The league is, I think, I think in America you'd say nutterbutters. <laughs> That's not a phrase I hear too commonly, but I'm going to start pushing that in this region. <laughs> yeah, uh, nutterbutters. It, it, 
<laughs> yeah, just just so many so many different stories going on all the time. Uh, it's like twenty. If, if if you're gone for twenty minutes, you miss something. So you know, I really want more people to to enjoy the league, which is the reason why I started the the Twitter account in the first place. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, ego wise, everybody's got a Twitter account for the main reason is to be like, well, look at my look at my follower count. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I'm 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 always happy to come on to talk to you about uh, about the league. Uh, and and it's a great you know, time to do it with this particular episode because the American season starts this weekend. So we're hoping a few a uh, few more people even will find us just by virtue of trying to find something with which to uh, get their American season started. And then they'll uh-huh. get to hear about not only that, but the Cypriot and plenty of other seasons. Oh yeah. You, you uh, listen, you keep me up to date with how Marinos Johnny's is doing at Kansas. <laughs> at Kansas city. All right. Well, they're one of our, yeah. uh, they're our producers favorite teams. So uh, we will definitely oh, be go. on board with that and have something extra to talk about. If we can yeah. actually trick you being on to soccer noob, not soccer news, you know, yet again in yeah. the future. Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course. All yeah. right. Well, check out. This is uh, Mappa. We certainly do here and uh, intend to again as we continue to follow a very exciting race for the title and for who will be making the championship round there in Cyprus. Thassos, thanks so much. We look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me as always. It's been a pleasure. And that'll put a wrap on episode 124 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob, and at this point after his third appearance, practically featuring Tassos of This Is Mappa. We appreciate him so much coming on. Thank you, as always, as well to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno, whose creative inspirations and efforts always remain in fuego to my daughter person who thank you so much most especially for your help with the endangered animal segment i know we did that extra earlier or extra late rather on recording night tonight when your 10 year old is ready to put herself to bed you know it is long past what should have been the actual bedtime bravo for keeping up the fine work here try to let you sleep in a little bit in the morning before church and thank you to you for listening we really do appreciate it whether it came for the interview came for the previews or some combination thereof we're just glad you're here we're really endeavoring to bring you something well unique covering matches uh that nobody else covers and in a little bit of a way that nobody else happens to do it if you've enjoyed it we hope you will pass us along to your footy-minded friends until we do it again for app 125 please have yourselves a fabulous footy week take care